You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to a new episode of the Rua Space Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Erin. And we're so glad to have you here with us today where we talk about how to make space for the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. And today is another exciting episode because we've been going through the Lord's Prayer line by line as part of our Friday study podcast. They come out every Friday and they're all related to each other. So the current study has been on the Lord's Prayer. And each week we're giving you kind of a really in-depth way that that next line of the Lord's Prayer can be a launching pad to cause us to reflect deeper, to pray more thoughtfully, to really allow ourselves the space to be transformed by what Jesus himself teaches us to pray. Well, that's why we've done some we've done some episodes where we do a prayer practice with the whole prayer, like Lectio Divina. We've done a practice with just one line. And so our hope is you're seeing the different ways you can engage this prayer, either super deep with one line or super deep with every line all at once, or the prayer as a whole, or the themes, or one theme. There's just all these directions you can come at it. Yeah, basically, when Jesus gave us this prayer to pray, and, you know, we're, we're going off of the version of the Lord's Prayer that's in Matthew chapter chapter 6, which is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And so when Jesus is giving us this prayer, really it's it's like a template that then you can use in all these different ways, right? There's all these angles, there's all these playful ways we can engage it. And this week we are into the line of the prayer where it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I think that's going to be uh, a deep and exciting episode. So we're excited to have you here for it. And before I say excited one more time, the most exciting <laughs> thing before we launch in is that if you've been following this episode we'd re- or this series, we'd really encourage you to join us uh, tomorrow night. And that's assuming you're listening to this right when it releases. If not, it'll um, just be the next episode in the Lord's like right after this episode will be listed this practice. Okay, we're doing we are going to be doing a Facebook live practice of the Lord's Prayer Saturday, October 25th. Is that the 25th? I don't yes. have a calendar. Yeah, in front of me. 26th. Saturday the 26th, 8 p.m. Central Time. If you go to our Ruiz Space page on Facebook, then there's going to be a live practice there. There will be a podcast in the finishing up the series next week so, so kind of a new way to approach it yet again. yes but i wanted to let you know up front so that you can put it on your calendar and be excited about that since we were talking about enthusiasm but with that we're going to dig into this this next line of the lord's prayer lead us not into temptation yeah it's probably the hardest line to interpret and to get into because the Greek words have different meanings, and there is much mm. debate about what it means. Um, even the Pope the other day came out and sort of re-interpreted, uh, retranslated this passage. And so there's many angles, and that's the beauty of the prayer again, is we're not going to offer all the ways to understand it. We're going to hopefully just offer a few angles. Like a that, springboard. Right, a springboard to get into understand. some of the angles of it, and then you can kind of explore it. So... I think one of the angles right off the bat is when it says lead us not into temptation, it's the question of does God tempt us or not? I like this passage in James chapter 1 
verses 13 and 14, because I think right here, we hear an answer to that question right away. So we hear when tempted, which again, I like that it's not if tempted, but when tempted, because that will happen. No one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Yeah, so right there, there's kind of the sense of, well, James says God doesn't tempt us. So when we're praying, lead us not to temptation, there's a sense in which we're not saying, God, please don't tempt us, as if God is going to tempt us, right? It's kind of linking together with the next line of delivering us from evil, this sense that we bring about our own temptation, or Satan brings about temptation. Mm. And we're asking God sort of for guidance in the midst of that to stay true, because really, what is all sin? Sin is saying something other than God is on the throne. Either it's us, or it's a sexual desire, or it's um, murder, or it's an idol like money, or whatever it might be, right? Murder being rooted in anger, or jealousy, or whatever it might be, right? All of these things are saying, God, I don't believe your way is the best, that there's a different throne I wish to serve instead. And the whole Lord's Prayer is about, God, you are the one in heaven. You provide our daily bread. You forgive our sins. It's about your kingdom. So now we're saying, God, sort of protect us from our own going astray when we pray all these things. But then we read this line and realize, oh, my goodness, but what I really desire is this other thing. I don't know if this is what Jesus meant. But, you know, the rabbis say there's 70 facets to every scripture. So I'm going to offer this as a facet to interpret. When I hear this line of the Lord's Prayer, the image that comes to mind for me and one spiritual practice we can employ is to use our imaginations with the scripture to picture what's being said. One image that comes to mind with this is of being an Israelite in the desert. And it seems to me lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because God was literally leading the Israelites. They did not know where they were going. There was not a map. There was not a path. There was not a a step-by-step anything. They were literally following a pillar of smoke by day and a column of fire by night. So they're visually following God. And I picture, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And what was the temptation for the Israelite people for the 40 years they were in the desert? They kept begging to go back to Egypt. They were tempted to go back to the life that wasn't working because that's all that they knew. And I just, I for some reason that image works for me because God is leading them. And it's almost the surrender of saying, lead us not into temptation because there's that we know we want that we know that's a part of what our personality and our spirit gets diverted towards and we say hey i want back in this like i you know it just it's more comfortable to go with what i stay with but but saying god you are leading me lead me not back there because i'm blindly going wherever you are If you're ahead of me, that's where I'm headed. And I I like that picture because, of course, God doesn't take the Israelites back into Egypt. Of course, God doesn't return them back to slavery under Pharaoh. No, he it takes 40 years, but they faithfully do follow him with some, you know, missteps along the way. 
and they eventually come to the promised land. And I like to see that as our faith journey and our spiritual journey to say, we're going to follow that pillar of smoke, column of fire. We're going to follow God who is in front of us, who is guiding us. And we're surrendering and saying, don't take us back to where we're tempted to go because we are going to follow you. Protect us from evil because it feels scary because I don't know what's ahead. I only know what I'm comfortable with, which is that temptation piece. Right. Well, that's, you know, John Calvin wrote, in brief, being conscious of our own weakness, we ask to be defended by God's protection, that we may have an impregnable position against all devices of Satan. One of those devices, of course, being fear of the next thing, of mm. the mystery, of God leading you into the unknown, which our spiritual journey is always leading into the unknown. I mean, ultimately, God is mysterious, right? And so mm. Satan is always, well, let come back to the God you know. Mm. Right. And as human beings, that's really tempting for us because we don't like change. I mean, it's even been shown in in situations of abuse, for example, people will often stay in the situation because the potential change is scarier than remaining in the bad place. Right. Mm. So we're scared of change. And so there's always this calling to say, well, the temptation I'm familiar with, the sin that I'm familiar with is going to give me maybe this temporary relief that I think I want. Mm -hmm. Right. And with Israel, it's, well, let me go back to Egypt. At least I know how terrible it was there. Right. But out here, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So we're praying for God to lead us and give us strength in that time mm -hmm. to keep us safe from the devices of Satan, to lead us in the right path that leads to life when those temptations and those things do come up. Yeah, for me, I hear it more as a phrase of commitment to follow the Lord. Yeah. Rather than, a, I don't hear it as, I could see how one could read it as a begging of God to not tempt or allow temptation. But yeah, when you read this phrase in James that says, James writes, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Then really, I think my preference would be to interpret it as this phrase of surrender to God and say, I get what's behind me. It tempts me. I get what the evil is, but it's also comfortable because I'm used to it. But I'm going to follow you again. That that pillar of smoke, pillar yeah, pillar of smoke, cloud of fire, following there. Now here's one of the difficult things. Then is that sort of one side of the coin. However, this Greek word that's used for trial, temptation, also sort of has this idea of test to mm. it. So, for example, in Matthew chapter four, it says. So this is right after Jesus receives the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Telling in and of itself, which we'll get to. But it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So the Holy Spirit enters Jesus and then leads him to the desert in order to, to be tempted. Well, we see that with Job, right? There's that story of the devil wants to tempt Job. And God says, I trust him. Go for it. Now, well, God's not doing the tempting, but God does allow us to face trials right. and temptations. Right. But you, even the story of like the Israelites, for example, in the wilderness, that was a test, right? A testing mm. of their faith. Right. But here's the thing about it. We think of tests in our modern day world as prove to me that you know the material, right? Mm -hmm. Let me compare you to someone else. But these types of trials or tests are not setting us up for failure as much as saying i god loves us so much that god is going to lead us in a formative way but a difficult time is needed 
to get us there. It's the crucible that forms us. Yeah, and I don't think it's that God gives us those crucibles, but when they are there, it's our faith that goes. But James writes about that too in the same chapter, chapter one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So right there again is that wisdom that says, the trials are going to come and we will be tempted and God allows us to face those trials, right? There's no one on this earth who, even Jesus himself, there's no one who has walked this earth who has not faced trials. God allows it to come to the good and to the bad. It's how we face them and that if we have the perseverance, we stick with our faith, we keep up, we keep with God, we do as Jesus did when we try to the best of our ability to to say, here's what scripture says to be true and I will hold to that. That's when we will experience that growth and that refining, right? Refining fire. We could use that phrase for this. <laughs> right. But even then, I think God sometimes will send things. And maybe this is where we might disagree a little bit. Oh, I think we might disagree a little bit Well, for example, like when God is sending them the man in the wilderness and he says, don't take any for the next day, just take it for today. There's a sense in which he's giving them a formative opportunity Mm. to say, I'm going to trust you. But it's hard because I have to throw away this good food and I don't know that there's going to be any tomorrow. Or Jesus going into the desert and Satan telling him, hey, turn that bread into or turn that rock into bread. Right. And of course, that temptation is coming from Satan. But it says the spirit led him out there in a sense to learn. I can trust God. And that's what I meant by it's not a test like I'm trying to get you to stumble or fail. It's a let me show you that you can trust me. But that might appear really hard to us in the time. And this again, this is where wisdom comes in. Because wisdom often contradicts itself in the Bible. Like, for example, when Proverbs says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he continue, right? Or don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him, right? Back-to-back phrases that tell you opposite things. Mm. And this word, I feel like, with trials and tests, has this sense of sometimes... As James is saying, I think the authors are trying to get at this very complicated, multi-layered thing that is saying, on the one hand, Satan does the tempting. Don't say God is tempting you. But on the other hand, Matthew says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Or, Or God put the people of Israel through a time of testing in the wilderness to be formative. Well, they were also being stinkers. They needed a little extra help there. (laughs) No, absolutely. Okay. Well, and one, I think we can use them as an analogy for our personal lives. And, you know, there's no doubt. Um, I I don't know. I, I guess where I differ with you is I feel like it's the optimist in me would like to say that it's not the spirit leading us into places of trial and temptation. But I will admit that by following the Spirit, we will often find ourselves in places where we will be more tempted or face greater trials. Because I think we're then more alive and living more, one, more of a true life for Christ. But then two, that brings, I think, added spiritual warfare and activity, right? Because if you're, if you are asleep, and you're not working for the kingdom because you're not following the spirit of God, there's not a whole lot to trial or tempt you with on the enemy's part because you aren't much of a threat 
because you're not doing anything. But if you're following the Spirit of God who is working in your life or wants to work in your life, right? The Holy Spirit's always there ready to engage you when you're willing to follow, then you will find yourself in situations where you're speaking more about justice or the you know the environment or sustainability or you're going to find yourself in places where the creation of God and the people of God and the righteousness of things matters and that is naturally going to make things more difficult but see I would go back to the scripture that talks about God sends the rain on the good and the bad there's there's a sense in which good things and bad things befall good and bad people and I think that's just a common state of humanity in our broken world until Christ comes back yeah and I think that's totally true because I believe spiritual warfare is real and we'll have to do another whole kind of episode about that. But that when you're working for God, right, Satan is going to come after you kind of more. Um, I think David Crump, who we both know, right? We both yes. we both know him. Um, he wrote in his book on prayer, he said, neither the New Testament nor Second Temple Judaism gave much attention to precisely defining who is immediately responsible for life's testings. And the ambiguity of the Greek word Parosmos made it a perfect tool for conveying the ambivalent real world struggles of faith. Mm -hmm. And I think that to me is where these roads converge (laughs) to say that when we are praying this, I mean, it's just like suffering, right? We see that Job is put into a fish and it's kind of suffering. And it was from, did I say Job? You did. Jonah. Not going to edit that out, right? Guys, even pastors make (laughs) biblical mistakes. Oh, man, Jonah. So Jonah (laughs) is put in the whale, right? And that's by God, right? Yes. But then we also know that other suffering absolutely is not from God. But it is sometimes difficult to know which situation is this. Mm. But in both, we know that God grieves with us. God weeps with us. God can comfort us. God is present with us. Exactly. And I think that's the purpose of this line. Mm. Temptation and tests are going to come. But there's an invitation. I highly recommend you to listen to one of our very first episodes about formation and suffering and how men and women in the faith have been changed by suffering that they wouldn't have been changed without it. But there's a sense in which whether it's a test or a trial or whatever we're going through, when we are praying this, like Jesus We are saying, guide us through this to become closer to you, to stay on the right walk. And that's kind of what you were getting at Mm. talking about Israel in the wilderness. I mean, it's significant to me that Jesus doesn't really start his ministry until he receives the Holy Spirit. Mm. And then he goes, and how does he face the temptation? Not of his own strength and power. See, it's like the Holy Spirit is with him. He didn't go to the desert to go through this and start his ministry till he had the Holy Spirit. Right. So there's a But sense... again, that's what I was saying, where right. the Holy Spirit will lead you to places where there's going to be more difficult things that happen, not in order to test, but I think out of the very nature of what happens when you follow the Holy Spirit and you're walking for the good of the kingdom. Absolutely, with the result being that we are more like Christ, that we experience God's love and presence more Mm. and reflect that to the world. So when we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we are inviting God to lead us and to take us to the place God has us to go. But that's also a submissive line because I think of, you know, and I think Kenneth Bailey talks about this a little bit, but I remember being in the Middle East and, you know, you would need a guide. So we would go into a cave or we would go out into the wilderness where you there's nothing anywhere. Mm. 
And you have to trust that this guide is going to get you to the oasis, to the next place you want to go, right? And I think that was a Balian Middle Eastern, uh, Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes talked about this idea. But there's a sense in which you submit to the guide in that journey mm. because you trust that guide. And you sort of say, they tell the guide, don't get us killed here, right? Now, you wouldn't go with the guide if you didn't believe that they could keep you from getting killed. But you say it just to sort of say, like, my life is in your hands. So when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we're sort of saying, God, I put my life in your hands. I know difficult things are going to come. And I know the deeper I follow you, the more that could happen. But I trust that this is the true way to life. That just being safe and comfortable and never facing any trial, well, then you're probably not doing very much, mm. right? I mean, that's something I, I, I've, I've said for many years because yeah. I believe if you're too comfortable in life, you're probably missing something. There's a, everything you are saying, there's a fictionalized, it's a very short little novel. I would recommend reading. Um, I'm going to have to go back and reread it because I think there's a lot to be gleaned from it. But it's called The Alchemist. And it's ex it literally is exactly what you're talking about, Phil, where they, this character has an opportunity. Apollo Coelho. Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm so sorry, everyone. They should put pronunciation keys under <laughs> authors' names so that we don't butcher it when we talk about them. But yeah, there's this shepherd, and he either has the opportunity to keep living the life he has or to go on this grand adventure. And he actually, there is a guide who has to take him across an oasis, you know, not spoiler alert in case he, in case he were to choose to do it that way. But... There's, it's exactly what you're talking about. We have, we always have that opportunity to stay put and kind of let ourselves quote unquote fall asleep and just become comfortable with the patterns that we have and the habits we have and the things that we do and keep to it. Or we have this invitation to step out with the Holy Spirit's empowering of our soul, <laughs> of our spirit, to go forward and to make some changes and, and to start doing some work. Well, that makes sense then why it's coming toward the end of the prayer. Because we've pronounced that God is the king. Mm. God is on the throne. We've asked for God's will to be done and kingdom to come. We've said, God, you provide everything. Forgive us. May we forgive others. That's going to lead to some discomfort in life. That's going to lead to some trials, some difficulties, what it, for whatever reason they're coming about. And this is sort of reiterating, God, in everything I just prayed, I need your protection and guidance mm. in this. Lead us, protect us from evil, because we've declared we want our life to be mm. your life and your kingdom, but sin is going to keep trying to creep in. The world is going to keep coming. Satan's going to attack more and more. I'm going to have to go through some uncomfortable, difficult things in order to bring, to, for your kingdom to come. It's going to be sometimes ugly or discomfortable, not the kingdom itself, but the process of living it out in a world that doesn't want that. And so when we pray this, we're submitting to that, we're trusting God, and we're asking God saying, without the Spirit's guidance, I'm not strong enough to do this. So brothers and sisters, our prayer for you then as you come to this line, that you would see it tying together God's throne being in heaven, being our Father, the one whose kingdom is coming, the one whose will we decide to be, we desire to be done, the one who provides for us every day, who forgives us, who invites us to freedom. And so whatever you might be going through today, whatever kind of trial, whatever kind of difficulty, the promise we can offer to you is that God is with you in that, that God is much larger than anything you could face, that no matter what you've done, maybe the difficulty you're going through is of your own making. Maybe it's of someone else's making completely out of your hands. 
What we know is that your Father is in heaven, who gives you daily bread, who loves you and is with you and will guide you just as he has guided people for thousands of years, all the way back to Abraham, to Israel in the wilderness, to Jesus, to Paul, to the churches in Revelation, all the way to today. So as you pray this prayer, may the Holy Spirit open you to God's presence in your life and may the Spirit guide you to greater life through whatever difficulty you may be going through. May you submit, may you trust, and may you find the life in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Grace and peace be with you.